0: Welcome to Sports Bites, your bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each episode, I'll look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. In this episode, I'll break down the action from another interesting weekend in college football and the World Series gunnery. Plus, also, I'm going to rank my top 10 Halloween candies. All right, Halloween's right around the corner, and also my top five horror movies. So let's dig in. The World Series is always an interesting event. Like I said, I remember back in 2005 when the team that I root for, the White Sox, won the World Series, pacing, everything, staying up late, watching those games. That was back with uh, the White Sox with Juan Uribe, Scott Petsednik, Bobby Jinks, Paul Kanerko. Those guys just, uh, you know, got it done against the uh, Houston Astros, which was fun to see them get out. But the game is now, or the series now tied 1-1, heading back to Arizona the Rangers won game one in dramatic fashion. I mean, Corey Sager in the bottom of the ninth, a two-run home run. Place is going absolutely nuts. And I'm sitting there like, wow, okay, here we go. This is game one of the World Series. I love what I'm seeing so far. So I'm staying up. I'm watching the game. And 10th inning, nothing, to cut, you know, 11th inning. And I remember, I remember the final out in the 11th inning, the top of the 11th. And I'm like, all right, Adolis Garcia's up next. That'll be And I guess I fell asleep because I don't I woke up and was like, wait, what the what happened? What happened? Well, Adoles Garcia, as you hear the legend, continues to grow. Adoles Garcia sends one the other way. That sends Carroll back. He's at the wall, and the legend grows! Adolis Garcia wins game one! Unbelievable scene, unbelievable scene. Kudos to Adolis Garcia. You know, like I said, fell asleep in between the time the final out was made in the top of the eleventh to when the eleventh inning came back on. I fell asleep. Sucks. Game two, the Diamondbacks saw Merrill Kelly out there dominant on the mound, seven innings pitched, and the offense putting up nine runs on sixteen hits. Game three will now move to Arizona on Monday as Max Scherzer will get the ball for the Rangers and Brandon Fott. We'll get the ball for the Diamondbacks. So still should be interesting. And again, I'm pulling for all the people that I know that are Rangers fans out in Oklahoma. Good luck to you guys. I I hope you win. I'd love to see the Rangers win one for you. Of course, Arizona's their first World Series since 2001 playing the Yankees. But another crazy weekend in college football. You know, the playoff rankings are going to come out this week. And there was a shakeup in the top 10. And look, it's a strange year in football. You think about how it's gone. Alabama lost and struggled early. Now they look like a team on a mission. You know, a very important game coming up this week against LSU. Georgia hasn't looked like a championship team all year than the last couple weeks. After losing Brock Bowers, they start molly whopping people. Are they coming into form? You know, still not a real big chance. They got Missouri coming up this weekend, which will be entertaining. We'll see. It's between the hedges, so we'll see. Florida State making me look smart at the beginning of the year when I picked Florida State to make it to the playoffs. But again... So why you have to play the games, right? So we started the weekend, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Now I've, I've been able to be there for that game. I was stationed in the Navy in Jacksonville, Florida, and I worked security at Alltell stadium at the time. That was the name of the stadium, all stadium where the Jaguars played there. I worked security there you know, being on the field. So I, I've seen that game in person and I still have to say the Oklahoma, Texas game at the state fairgrounds. It's, it's the best rivalry game out there with the location and atmosphere. But the Jacksonville landing, it's it's a lot of fun. But the dogs win easy, you know, and it was not much of a party for the guys in orange and blue. 43-20, Carson Beck, 19-28, 315 yards, two tutties, plus Ladin McConkey stepped up in the absence of Brock Bowers. Look for another down, which is second and ten. Muse in motion. Beck, look out from behind, got the pass away through a strike. Lad McConkey, McConkey, touchdown, Georgia. He turned up, hit the X button, and he was gone. Right, Lad had six catches, 135 yards, a touchdown. The run game spearheaded by Dejuan Edwards, 96 yards, two tutties Florida, after their first drive, really never got going. They scored a couple times in the, fir- the fourth quarter, but the game was already in hand. It was already, it was already in hand. Now Georgia. You know, they're number 1. They're probably going to be number 1 in the playoff rankings. I don't think they should be. And 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 I know this you're the champ until you get beaten, but you got to go with what you see on the field and I mean there's some times they haven't looked the best. We'll see what this does. They'll probably get the nod being number 1, you're still undefeated. Georgia next again welcomes Missouri and Brady it's going to be an interesting game. Last year the Tigers pushed Georgia to the brink. What's going to happen this year? It's 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 up in the air. Michigan did not play. Number three, Ohio State struggled with Wisconsin up in Camp Randall, but got out of there with a 24-10 to victory. And Marvin Harrison Jr., another 123 yards, two touchdowns. And for me, that's why right now, for me, if I had a vote, Marvin Harrison Jr. would be my number one in the Heisman poll. And the reason why is when they talk about the most valuable player in college football. Michael Penix is great. You know, Caleb Williams, Great struggling but you know bo nicks but without marvin harrison jr would ohio state be where they are because i don't know if you can trust kyle mccord enough for that would they be the same team i mean kyle mccord's been pedestrian at best most of the season now jim Knowles in their defense with tommy eichenberg it's solid it's going to keep him in games but can mccord really win just say something happens to marvin harrison yeah you still have a mecca abuka but would they be able to keep that same level of execution. I mean, Marvin Harrison, they know they know the ball is coming to him. And he's still out there doing that to people. So that's why I just think right now, for me, and I hate that the Heisman's become only a quarterback award. That's why I like when Devonta won it for Alabama a couple years ago as a wide receiver. I love that. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. could do it. Right now, I have him as my number one in the Heisman. Up next, Rutgers. Shouldn't be a challenge for the Buckeyes. We'll see. Number four, Florida State. Man, I, I, I tell you what, Florida State is... You know, they had some struggles early. You know, people talking about like Oklahoma, but Florida State had some struggles early. Think back to the, you know, the Clemson game was a lot closer than people thought. Boston College pushed him. So I mean, I don't know. Right now they're clicking on all cylinders and they and and they look like it. They routed Wake Forest, 41-16. Jordan Travis, he'll probably be in New York, 359 yards, three touchdowns. Keon Coleman. Now here's a guy that, you know, he left Michigan State and now is making plays on a big stage with, you know, potential playoff team, one-handed grabs. And, like, some of the stuff he does, it just leaves your mouth agape. But that time Bell won the battle. One-on-one. One-handed catch, Keon Coleman. Another touchdown. Unfair. You see? You're right. It's unfair. What Keon Coleman does, it's unfair. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know he's getting the ball, still making great catches. Florida State got their first. And Here's something that I couldn't believe. When I, you know, I'm I'm flipping back and forth, and I heard him say this during the broadcast, and I had to double-check it just to make sure. That's Florida State's first victory over Wake Forest since 2019. They had lost three in a row, and then the COVID COVID year game got canceled. But they had lost three games in a row to Wake Forest. You know, and I love what Mike Norvell has done. He's doing an amazing job. You think about taking a team from the cheez It Bowl, almost losing to a six and six Oklahoma team at the cheez It Bowl to a possible playoff spot. Jared Verse, a good day to Sacks. You know, Florida State looks really good heading into November. Up next for the Knowles, Pitt. We'll see how they do there. Number five, Washington struggled again a little bit this week, letting Stanford stay around for far too long. Michael Penix Jr., big numbers again, but the defense looks shaky in this game. And with that, I believe, you know, with what I believe is an overmatched Stanford team. Now, we're talking about good receivers, and I don't know if this guy's going to stay at Stanford, but this Alec Ayamanor, phenomenal. Another great night. Nine catches, 146 yards, a touchdown. He's the one that mossed Travis Hunter in that game against Colorado. But the Huskies did enough to get the win, and up next for Washington is the USC Trojans, who again struggled to beat a three-win Cal team, escaping the Golden Bears 50-49. to Could this be the game that ends the season for Caleb Williams? I'll break it down. We'll really get into it. And I can guarantee if they lose again, Caleb won't play in the bowl game. Now, I know he played in that bowl game for Oklahoma when Lincoln left, and you know they played Oregon in the I, – I just, I just I don't think – I don't think he's going to play in the bowl game. That's just me. But USC, you've got some bigger problems, too. Number seven, Texas. Looking really good. Malik Murphy at quarterback. The guy looks like a Madden creative player, okay? When you see him, 6'5", 240. I mean, that's a Madden creative player. But now you've got, you know, Murphy, Jonathan Brooks, who right now, right now it's a toss-up as far as All-American running back. And I think they're both out of the Big 12. And I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Interact with the show. Let me know. But Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma State is right up there. Jonathan Bro- I think Jonathan Brooks is right now my All-American at running back. But Ollie Gordon's coming up. But you got Brooks, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, and they did what they had to do for Sarkeesian to beat his alma mater. But they got off to a really quick start because of X-Men. country he's third in punting average at about 49 per game. And this one hung up in the wind a little bit. Here's Worthy, makes the first man miss. Straight ahead past the 40. Kicker to beat. There he goes. Worthy making a house call and a punt return. Xavier Worthy with a 75-yard return for a touchdown. He is so fast. On that play, I mean, he catches the punt. You you make the first guy miss, and then he just runs right up the – and it's just – it's. Unbelievable, but Texas is still in really good shape for a Big Twelve title and maybe even more. You know, with the talent wide receiver they got in Ad Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, with Brooks and what Brooks has done to take over for Bijan Rob uh, for Bijan Robinson. And I thought the renegade was going to take a hit, but they're not missing a beat. And it's going to be interesting to see how they perform the rest of the season. When will Quinn Ewers get back next week? You know, it's a tough one. Purple Kansas, Kansas State, they come to D.K.R after the Wildcats just pummeled Houston 41 to nothing, That's the same Houston team that took Texas to the brink of upset just last week. That's so why I said you got to show up. You got to play the games. You have to. The best performance of the day probably belonged to the Oregon Ducks. They went on the road, absolutely laid the wood to Utah. Game days there, everything, all the emotion coming off, knocking off USC last week, usually the more physical team. But Kyle Winningham's Utah Utes got punched in the mouth early. And Bo Nix had another good day. 248 yards passing, a touchdown. He added a rushing touchdown as well. Bucky Irving paced that ground game with 83 yards and a touchdown. Sony Vaki could do nothing for Utah this game. Ducks look prepared for that two-way star, kind of keeping them in check. The Ducks have Cal, USC, at Arizona, and Oregon State. You know, and, and thank God Oregon State lost. Like I've been saying all year. Arizona finally got them, 27-24. Noah Fafitas had 275 yards and three touchdowns for the Wildcats, and just good. I'm just glad Oregon State lost. I don't hate them. I just think they're a fraud. I think they're a fraud team. And before I get too into breaking down, where well, everyone, knows, you know, I've had some people reach out and say they were they they were waiting for this episode to see what I would say about Oklahoma because we know Oklahoma lost to Kansas, right? They lost 38-33 up in Lawrence. But first, I'm going to talk about some other games. The ACC. North Carolina lost again. Georgia Tech beats them towards the end of the game, 46-42. Haynes King, late-game heroics once again. Now Georgia Tech 3-2 right up there in contention for the ACC. We'll see what happens. Louisville dismantled Duke 23 to nothing. Riley Leonard just isn't the same since that high ankle injury that and, uh, against Notre Dame. How about the Zoomies? How about Air Force out there? Undefeated James Madison and the talk about James Madison. Pardon my language. This is some bullshit. All right, James Madison they're in they're in the second year and the NCAA has this rule that if you you know you you come up from Division two up into the Division one ranks you can't go to a bowl game for two years. If they're undefeated, if they're the only undefeated group of five team. You're going to say you're going to keep them from going to a a New Year's Six Bowl? I know a state legislature from Virginia has written the NCAA and like, you got to do something. you got to do something. I mean, some of the other teams, you know, JSU, hey, good job. They're bowl eligible. They're looking good. James Madison is undefeated. We'll see. Liberty, James Madison, Air Force. The only three group of five teams undefeated right now. Tulane playing really well. They're ranked but they've got that one loss to Ole Miss at the beginning of the year. It, it's, it's just it's crazy. But to think, you know, James Madison may be left out of a bowl game and undefeated, but a team that may be left out of a bowl game, it's because of losses. How about Clemson? Clemson lost again. North Carolina State beat them 24-17, and, I, you know, the Tigers are in jeopardy of not making a bowl game, period. They still have to play Notre Dame this next week. Georgia Tech, who is playing good football. North Carolina can beat them. In South Carolina. I mean, it, it, it's nuts. And I I think one of the best quotes ever in a post-game press conference on the field. North Carolina State's Dave Dorn took umbrage to what Steve Smith said at game day about North Carolina State being a basketball school. Love, Perseverance, grit, all the stuff our world needs. Uh, tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my ass. He said, you can kiss my ass. And, and it's so funny that I see people get, the coaches get so upset with what guys are saying on game day. Now, Ryan Day coming after Lou Holtz, what he said on game. It's like, guys, come on. I know you're sticking up for your team, but it was just crazy, yo. But, yo, hey, hey, he told Steve Smith what he thought. <sighs> All right, now I'm going to dive into the Sooners you know, Oklahoma came in having escaped central Florida may be like, okay, a little bit of a Texas hangover. I said that going into the game that I was concerned. I wanted to see how they performed. You spend two weeks of hearing how good you are. You still find a way to win the game last year, six and 17 would have lost that game. You think about, you know, a lot of Texas fans and the rhetoric back and forth on social media about, well, of course you guys won. It was your super bowl. And then, and now the sad thing is, is Oklahoma is making it look, and this is both on the players and the coaches, making it look like Texas was your Super Bowl. Because since that Texas victory, the week off, and then two games, Central Florida and Kansas, the team is completely different. Now, I know there's been some injuries. Peyton Bowen was out in the game. He was on a boot in the si- you know, on the sideline. Danny Stutzman got hurt right before half, couldn't play the whole second half. I think Lewis came in for him and played exceptionally well. You know, I love, I love Billy Bowman. I love Woody Washington. I'm, I respect the fact that they stayed. And they could have left, but I'm ready for all of Grinch's guys to be gone. Um, Jeff Lebby, uh, there's no excuse for I think how Jeff Jeff Lebby called the game. I again, I, I was, I was speaking to some people and talk like, I love Gavin Freeman. I love his story. I love what he brings. I think he's a watered-down version of Drake Stoops. And people can say what they want about Drake, but Drake has found a way to become, I mean, they know they're going to go to him. He's in the top five in almost every major category in receiving in the Big 12. Is he a great receiver? No, but he can get it done. But how Jeff Lebby is attacking this now, calling a lot of these jet sweeps with Gavin Freeman, and if there's been a jet sweep that has worked in Big 12 play, somebody can let me know. You put in Jaleel Farouk, which, again, I love Jaleel Farouk, doing what the coach asked you to do. You put him in at running back. And at the beginning of the year, everyone talking about how excited they were about this running back room. Gavin Solchuk, Barnes, Tywee Walker, you know, Marcus Major. It's clear now Tyree Walker is running back one. Let, let's let's start that, right? Tywee Walker is running back one. I just don't understand some of the play calling. He called the game scared, I think. I just... It was confusing. I mean, Dylan Gabriel threw the ball nineteen times. The only time he threw fewer passes was the game he got knocked out against TC when he took a when he took a dome shot. You know, but he got off to a rocky start. Throws a pick six. to mellow dots in the first quarter. Then more native uh, from right there in Moore, Oklahoma, which is right next to Norman, Daniel Highshaw, and I knew he was going to have a good day. It was kind of like when I was watching the Orange Bowl when we played Alabama and Josh Jacobs. I knew Joshua was gonna have a big day. Coming from Tulsa, Oklahoma really didn't say anything to him until after Alabama started to recruit him. I knew it was gonna be bad. It was the same watching Daniel Highshaw. I remember Daniel took more Oklahoma, more high school, a team that had been terrible for years. He played quarterback, running, he did everything for him, took him to the state semifinals, turnaround of that football program. Good kid, good player. And you know what? Hats off to you. But it's 14-0. OU comes back, 21-14 lead, it's 21-17. Right before half, you know, there was a weather delay. There was lightning in the area. You know, there wasn't supposed to be rain until after the game. It shows up lightning, just a lot of stuff, you know, the back and forth. And I think Danny Stetson being hurt right before half was kind of like an emotional, you know, knock to the team. Tywee Walker came back off suspension, had a really good game. carried the ball 23 times for 146 yards. And the thing that it was, it wasn't the lateral running. It was between the tackles, between the guards. Coming right at you. Again, I mentioned Dylan Gabriel threw the ball 19 times, added three rushing touchdowns. Josh Bean, the six-year man, blazing tracksby, When he pulled that RPO and that 35-yard touchdown, I knew he was gone. I knew he was gone. Oh, you found themselves in a dogfight, and it looked as though they'd found a way to escape it when Bean, who basically threw an interception to Key Lawrence, and he drops it. It hit him right in the numbers. Two plays later, he throws an interception that Ethan Downs the lineman picks, and I'm going... All right, you're going to escape. You're going to do it. Run it up the middle. Run it up the middle. Run it up the middle. You have to punt. Give him the ball back. And what I didn't understand is when you're an offense coordinator, you want to put the ball in your best player's hands. He didn't do that. It reminded me of Oklahoma and Georgia. You know, you get the ball. All you gotta do is make a first down. Because after the scoop and score, Oklahoma holds Georgia. All you gotta do is get a first down. You got one of the best offenses in the history of the foot. Just is confusing. And and I'm not sitting here saying that Jeff Levy needs to be fired, but he needs to do some some checking. You know, you're supposed to be this explosive, and they're putting up points. But where are the explosive plays? Where are the explosive plays? Beaten bow, where where's the great offensive lineman? You know, this isn't the same kind of offensive line, but whether it's the leaders, but the captains, everybody to a man, and the coaches, they need a reality check real quick because it's a lack of focus. Brent Venables came out, and I love BV. I hope he has a lot of success and brings another national championship to Oklahoma, but he said, I should have cut a timeout on the fourth down. You should have. There's just some things, and right now, there's a lot of this to where Texas saying, You know, you you did really good because we were your Super Bowl. And they played well in that game. But you had a chance to win that Kansas game and you lost it. Now, now, this is what I want to see from Oklahoma. I want to see the response, okay? You've got Oklahoma State, a team that since the South Alabama game have inexplicably turned it around with the best turnaround so far this year. I mentioned Ollie Gordon, the Eulish Trinity star, tearing it up. This is the final bedlam. I don't know when they're going to play again. I don't, I mean, you know, and not trying to take anything from Oklahoma State, but Kansas added another victory. Kansas has beat Oklahoma more times than Oklahoma State has, right? And they're talking about Kansas hadn't beat Oklahoma since 1997. So you kind of think about that, right? But Oklahoma, you're going up. It's going to be hostile up there. Two thirty kickoff in Stillwater. The paddle people, all those guys. It's going to be it's going to be nuts. They want to beat Oklahoma on the way out. They want to. So now I want to see how does this team respond. Everything that you want to do is still in front of you. But as as Oklahoma fans, I hope people out there realize you were a six and seven team last year. Everyone made fun of your defense. Like there was some bad football. There was some bad football on Saturday. There was some horrible officiating. As a former official, I, I there was some horrible officiating. It didn't cost them the game. But there was some bad officiating. Those guys don't need to be doing Division I football. But this is a big-time step for Oklahoma now. You're 7-1. and one. You're bowl-eligible, so there you go. This is a big game. Oklahoma State is going to be ramped up for this game. You better be ready because they're going to be ready. Ollie Gordon... Is a, a grown man, he's going to come running right at you. How's Trace Ford going to react in that situation? Will Danny Stetson be able to play? Will Peyton Bowen be back? Tyree Walker hurt his ankle. Is he going to be 100%? So, I mean, there's a lot riding on it. Now, you still have, and I know people got into it, you still have a chance to win the Big 12. You still have a chance to possibly make the. If you went out, I, I just, I was messing with the ESPN playoff estimator. If they went out and win the Big 12 championship, they still have an 80% chance to make the playoffs. So it's still there. But now's the time. We're going to see if the culture is different. And I saw some people saying, well, maybe Brent should quit, you know, because there's a couple of the guys that do a podcast. You know, Stutzman and those guys, they do a podcast. And, you know, sell, well, maybe they'll stop him from doing podcasts and selling T-shirts. Oh, shut up. Shut up. I had nothing to do with what's going on. Nothing. But now it's time to focus. Can you get focused for this game? My playoff rankings, I know they're going to come out this week on Tuesday. My first two out at 6-5, and five, I have Oregon and Washington in the matchup. Now, again, these are this week's playoff if they're putting them in the playoffs because you still have a game between Michigan and Ohio State. Whoever wins that game, I think the other one's out. Sorry. So right now, number two, I've got Ohio State because I think they just have better wins versus number three, Florida State. So I've got Florida State and Ohio State in there. I'm at one versus four. People are probably going to be up in arms. I've got Michigan number one and Georgia number four. I'm still really intrigued to see what's going to happen to Michigan. The more stuff's coming out about this sign-stealing situation. That right now is how I think the playoff rankings are going to be when they come out. The top 10 polls, Oklahoma fell four spots, number 10, Penn State at nine, Bama with that big game against LSU this week at number eight, Texas at seven, Oregon six, Washington five, Florida State at four, Ohio State, three, Michigan two, and Georgia one. So I mean it's there's still it's the month of November. So here you go. It is the month of November. But it's time now. It's you know it's Halloween. One of my favorite holidays. I love scary movies. I love trick-or-treating. Getting ready to take the kid out. You know, he picked his costume out. You're gonna get that dad tax on the candy. Faith comes from, what So, and that made me really think about what are my top 10 favorite Halloween candies of all time? Now again, this is just my opinion. Feel free to interact on social media. I'm on Twitter, Sports Bites Pod One. YouTube, you can come find it there. You can come interact on social media. Let me know what you think are your top ten. Okay, here's my top ten. Number ten, sweet tarts. Classic, simple, love them. It, I love I love getting sweet tarts. And when the kids get sweet tarts, I'm taking some of them. They're good. Number nine, I've got Three Musketeers. Something about that, just soft, mushy candy bar I really like. The Three Musketeers comes in at number nine. Number eight, Skittles. All the different flavors. I, yeah, bring them to. I love Skittles. I love Skittles. Number seven, the classic Crunch Bar. You know, a little it, it was a tie, you know, Crunch and Mr. Good Bar. Right there that number seven that's what i like number six another classic the tootsie rolls i love tootsie rolls i didn't like so much the flavored one you can keep that you know, that's your now and all that but just a regular classic tootsie roll i love number five i got starburst give me the red and pink ones all day i'll hammer the red and pink ones all day number five i've got starburst number four the twix minis now now i'm talking these are all the minis okay and if you're fortunate enough to be in a place where you're going to get the entire candy bar like the the big size, things change, you know, uh, you know. Some other candies might show up. But number 4, I've got the little Twix minis. Number 3, Reese's peanut butter cups, the little individual packs. Those are getting dad taxed. Number 2 may surprise a lot of people. Nerds and I'm you know I've had the nerds gummy clusters recently you know my kids got them they're really good. just give me the box of classic nerds man I used oh I loved nerds but my number one hands down the mini snickers for me that is the best you know people are what about almond joy and mounds and like I'm usually the only one that eats the almond joy I, I can't believe people still get almond joys and hand them out I don't know many people that like the almond joys I like them. I like coconut. I like almonds. It's good. But Snickers for me is my number one. I absolutely love the Snickers. Now, if you were getting the full-size candy bars, Baby Ruth would have to be up there. It'd have to be. So I just, I'm I'm excited. He went a little bit different this year. The youngest did on the Halloween costume. He's going to be kind of a, scary jester skull clown kind of thing so I'm like "Eh, you know okay I thought he was going to be like a character from uh, you know the Fall Guys or Mario or something like that but nope that's what he wanted to be now it's time you know with it being Halloween uh, oh yeah my top five scary movies of all time to me what I think are the five scariest movies now I'll say this in preface a lot of the newer movies that have gone to the gore—that's more for visual—and there's a lot of stuff that's like, if it's unbelievable, I don't know if I could. You know, I'm not going to be scared because it's unbelievable. Freddy Krueger's. Um, now, I loved Nightmare on Elm Street. It, oh my, it was, it was close because Freddy talked a little smack to you. But when I when I started, I was making my list. I started looking at when all these movies were made. All of these movies were made in the '70s, except one, and I think because what was allowed to be shown made you be more creative to how you were gonna you know scare people, right? Just think how simple scores can be. Halloween, I mean, just James can just a couple couple keys. Jaws, a couple keys. But anyway, number 5, 1974's original the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Reports of it being an actual family in Texas everything, you know, that's why for me it was a little bit freakier because you have an opportunity of it being real. Whether it really happened or not, I don't know, but there's still that sliver of could it happen. Number 4, the 1975 classic Jaws. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, I mean, it's 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 a I, I, it's a classic, right? Number three, 1973, The Exorcist, great movie, freaky. Again, it could happen. Number two, a great book, a great movie, some great lines, some great memories. The 1980 classic, The Shining. Great movie. Scary as hell. But my number one, and I know I kind of said, you know, all this with, it has to be more believable, I guess. But my number one, hands down, the original 1978 Halloween. When you hear everything involved in this movie that took, I think it was 18 days to shoot, a young Jamie Lee Curtis, the Michael Myers mask was a uh the Michael Myers mask was a you know a Captain Kirk mask painted white. The shape, the entity, Dr. Loomis, Lori Strode, everything involved. Some of the spinoffs, they lost it. Number three was absolutely terrible. I did enjoy the last couple when they wrapped everything up. But my number one scary movie of all time, the original Halloween. When the boogeyman showed up. What's your thoughts? Feel free to comment on social media. Let me know what your favorite Halloween movies are, what your favorite Halloween candies are. I'd love to hear that. But I hope you guys have a safe Halloween, trick-or-treat safely, party safely, be responsible. But I want to thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on all social media for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive. May your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone. And remember to always positively move forward.